Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. Today, we're back with a special, special guest to review the film, The Big Sick. It came out in 2017. I had heard about this film from Sarah because she is not a fan of rom-coms, but this was one that she really liked. So I was intrigued. And also our guest, Abby Tan, is on with us. And she this is a film that she absolutely loved and resonated a lot with. So we're excited to dive in. Abby, do you want to do a quick intro for yourself? Sure. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me on, on the podcast. Um, so my name is Abby Tan. Uh, I met Jen actually through work. We started, you know, our first jobs together, first real jobs in the real world. And I met Sarah through her as well. Um, as she said, the the movie itself, when it first came out, I just, I absolutely loved it. And I think Jen was probably one of the first people I actually also ran to and kind of told her some of my thoughts on it. So I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So Sarah, do you want to kick us off with our IMDb summary? I do. Pakistan-born comedian Kumail Nanjani and grad student Emily fall in love but struggle as their cultures clash. When Emily contracts a mysterious illness, Kumail finds himself forced to face her feisty parents, his family's expectations, and his true feelings. Wow, that's a lot of things for him to face. A whole list of things. So (laughs) much. All right, so let's start off with kind of what were your initial thoughts watching this film, um, how did you hear about it as well? This was one of the first films that Amazon Studios really was a hit um, amongst audiences. So what were your initial thoughts of The Big Sick? When I first watched it, it definitely, I thought a lot about my personal experiences or people around me actually um, who have also experienced some very similar things. So my parents are obviously... um, immigrants to this country well I guess that's not so obvious on here Uh, but they they are um, they were immigrants to this country and a lot of um, the friends that I grew up with were kind of also in the same situation Um, so I thought a lot about my sister and her relationship Um, funny enough uh, she she wasn't in a relationship with um, I guess their culture did clash but it wasn't you know the whole white versus Pakistani thing it was actually um, Indian versus just not being Indian, um, were Filipino Chinese. Um, and so in the beginning of their relationship, they kind of had a lot of the same um, struggles that Kumail dealt with with his family and that, you know, took a toll on them in the beginning. And so that that was kind of getting my gears going and that was kind of my first impressions. All right. So Sarah, what were your initial thoughts of The Big Sick? Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think that uh, Kamel is just such a funny comedian. Um, He cracks me up in a lot of the things that I've seen him in. Um, So when I saw that, you know, he was the, you know, main character in this film, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to see it. Um, Even though rom-coms are not my thing, I absolutely (laughs) loved how um, they were able to weave in so much more than just this guy chasing this girl um, and were able to really get into some complex things about other relationships outside of just the, that romantic one. Um, so I really appreciated this movie. I think uh, I ranked it pretty high on our, our top 10 list. Um, yeah, it was, on your, it was in your top was, 10, right? 
it was in my top 10. I want to say it was like number four or something like that. Mm. Um, it was pretty high up there. And uh, I've watched it a few times since and <laughs> I've enjoyed it every time. There are certain moments where I literally laugh out loud, um, <laughs> which it's rare for movies to do that for me these days. So Same. this is one that I highly recommend. Yeah. Yes. I I went into this film hearing lots of good things from both of these two ladies. Um, and they, they both mentioned that this film really stuck out to them um, compared to a lot of the other romantic comedies that they have seen. And they both noted that that was, that was something that was really unique about this film. So I was intrigued from the beginning, a little worried that it was going to be overhyped and that I was going to be underwhelmed and then, you know, it couldn't live up to the expectations. But this film did such a great job of being really modern and hip and relevant. I think it really will resonate with a lot of young audience audiences, probably already has. But it tackles a difficult topic of interracial relationships, which is, again, things we don't really see on the big screen that often. So the fact that this film was even created and the story told is a really, really amazing win. The, the types of issues that the film struggles with is... I think becoming more and more of the types of stories that we see um, on the big screen. I was thinking of Crazy Rich Asians through a lot of this film and kind of the similarities of them both using romantic comedy, which is a really accessible uh, storytelling method, and using that to usher in these kind of more unconventional stories that haven't been told on screen. I was thinking of The Farewell and the most recent one that came out, Blinded by the Light, And all of them are talking about this immigrant experience of being stuck between two cultures, um, wanting to fit in with the predominantly white culture that the main characters are living in, but then also figuring out how that reconciles with all of the rules and expectations and traditions of their families and kind of being torn between both of those worlds, which I can definitely relate to. So this film came out in 2017. Crazy Rich Asians was, I believe, 2018, right? Um, the Farewell and Blinded mm-hmm. by the Light 2019 this past year. So it's it's cool to see how this, this film potentially was able to pave the way for some of the other ones. The thing I found really noteworthy about this film that I was very surprised by is that for most of the film, it's not actually about the story between him and Emily. It's more about the story between... Kumail and her parents, which I was so surprised by. Like she is not in the whole sec two thirds of the second half of this whole film. Like I was, I didn't see that coming. I thought it was going to be a lot more about the two of them. And I really love that they made that decision. Yeah. I love that. It was less about this American way of doing things of, okay, it's just the two people in the couple and that's it. Like it was very much, about family which you rarely see today Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I think that's what made it so different too as a rom-com um like you said Jen a lot of them tend to focus just on the two right and whatever struggles they're facing and and then they go through the ups and downs and then kind of then they end up back together right but the struggles are always revolving around the two of them this Mm -hmm. one it revolves around their entire lives I guess their upbringing and I think in the um, in the film itself, Kumail mentioned that he is battling, like, was it 1,400 years of history or something? <laughs> yeah. Whereas her issue, you know, he was belittling her issue. Um, 
so yeah, I think that that definitely made it stand out. Mm-hmm. Usually in rom coms, the the like family comes in play when it's supposed to be this like milestone moment in the relationship where they meet each other's family, and it usually goes pretty well. Or when the parent comes in and gives the like really wise advice about love and having experienced it for the past sixty years, and then the big happy ending yeah. happens at the end. Yeah, yeah, where the parent is the like obstacle. Oh and, yes, like, no, oh, you yeah. shouldn't be with them. And the you know main character is like, no, I do what I want. I'm in love. <laughs> so I'm glad that it didn't go that route. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good rendition, Sarah. You really summed up rom coms in like twenty seconds. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> well, that actually br- well. I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, so I was, I'm kind of holding back a little. Okay. I don't know if we're going into that. Yes. Yeah. Shall we insert the flashing red lights if you haven't seen The Big <laughs> Sick yet? It is available on, what was it, Prime? Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yes, Amazon Prime for free 99 Well, free 99 with your $14 a month that you pay for Amazon Prime. But it is also available on YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, iTunes. Um, we highly recommend seeing it. It is a feel-good movie as well. Like, it's just a fun Saturday night flick. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of really light-hearted moments um, while still dealing with some important issues. So, disclaimer, we're going. We're entering spoiler section. All right, Bob, take it away. <laughs> okay. Um, what, what did you mention? Oh, you were talking about how some rom-coms, um, they, the parents are the obstacle, right? And I think that was still baked into this but it almost was like it, it again it wasn't the whole focal point of the story there was just like a lot of other issues going on um and I a question I kind of thought of is like if I were actually Kumail would I have done the same thing that he ended up doing which was standing up to his parents um mm-hmm. and you know they literally said you're not my son anymore and he was just like well you can't you can't just say that and he tried to <laughs> you know, basically re-enter um, their lives, uh, even though he was still pretty much rejected in his mother's eyes. Yeah, that was a part that I was, I didn't know how I felt about that because yeah. it seemed like he was moving on, he was going to move to New York, right? And there wasn't this moment of, of, of feeling the gravity of being rejected by his family that I would have thought it would portray. I mean, it's a it's a lighter movie, granted. So um, maybe that's why. And there is that moment too when the the father gives him the food that his mother cooks for him and the Tupperware, mm-hmm. which is just I've it, I resonated with that a lot because it's one of the ways that my mother shows her love is to cook for me, and she knows my favorite foods. And when she comes to visit, she'll just like stock up my freezer with it. So it very much was a sign of affection and of love. But yet, there is that moment of, like, he is not accepted in his family. And he has the the conviction to just continue on forward with this path that he's created for himself. Sarah, what were your thoughts on that scene in that moment? I, I really love, Abby, that you asked yourself that question. And, like, mm-hmm. for me, honestly, like, it really wouldn't have been much of a thought for me, it would have been like, okay, yeah, I want this thing. I'm going to go get it. Like mm-hmm. I, I think, and that's what I love about films like this is it shows you different cultures in different ways. Like 
as a white person, like, I know, like, it would have to be something super extreme for me to be disowned by my family. Like, I can do mm. pretty much anything, and they'll still be like, yeah, okay, we'll put up with you. Um, you know, they don't have those, you know, strict traditions like Kumail did with his family. And there aren't those, like, rigid expectations about, like, who I should marry or, like, what job I should get. Um, so that's a completely foreign, um, mindset for me. And so it's really cool to be able to like enter into that. Um, but I think, I think because it's a comedy, they weren't able to, Mm -hmm. you know, go as deep into that as maybe they could have if, if it was something else. And they were balancing so many different (laughs) subplots that I think they couldn't dive any deeper into that. That's true, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I watched uh, The Big Sick, I think, a day or two days after seeing Blinded by the Light, which it's still in theaters in case you want to see it. But it's essentially about um, a boy who is also Pakistani and he's living in in London and he essentially discovers the music of Bruce Springsteen and falls in love with it and wants to leave his little town in London and moved to New- to the to America and start his life there and um, a lot of the similar struggles are dealt with with by that film as well but it's a drama first of all so it's a, they're able to explore it a little bit more but also by the end of the film he kind of comes to the conclusion that he can't just follow his own dreams and leave his family behind like he, he kind of reframes the whole American dream and puts it in conversation with uh, his duty to his family. And so it was interesting to watch The Big Sick after seeing that film and see how there are these two stories with a lot of the same themes and struggles and the different conclusions that they both come to. In my head, I'm like, there's more data points for this story. Like, neither decision is really right or wrong. It's kind of what each of those characters have chosen to do and how they've reconciled the two yeah totally agree I think also the um the comedy in this rom-com is very interesting I don't know if um I mean I for me it's totally my type of humor but um I feel like for other people it may or may not be um and I it's so cool how they're able to balance like the they go immediately from like humorous to serious in you know, in a matter of like one to two seconds. Um, so I think that's how they're kind of able to bake in a lot of those subplots um, and these serious moments where like, you know, Kumail's faced with that decision, whether or not he has to um, stand up to his family. Um, but the, yeah, I just, what did you guys think about the humor? I loved it. I loved it as well. It was so delightful and so charming <laughs> and you're right, the the pacing of it and the timing of it was well done to keep the general tone pretty light. Um, and it's kind of like there'd be this, they're, they're talking about a big issue, and yet the way that they're talking about it and the jokes that they throw in make it feel more accessible. Um, mm-hmm. Like the scene where Emily's dad is like, so what do you feel about 9-11? And he's like, oh, yeah. Have you never talked yes. to any other human about 9-11? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> true. But that's a, like, te- that easily could have been a tense moment, and yet they've spun it in a way and packaged it in a way that make you laugh 
but you still are very aware of everything that is happening and what is going on in that moment. Right. And it's also not (laughs) too obnoxious, I guess. Like it feels Mm -hmm. realistic. And that's what I loved about the whole movie itself too. It was very raw and real. And it felt like those were things that could have actually been said, or those Mm -hmm. were, you know, actions that could have actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read a review that mentioned which I thought was so accurate. They mentioned that sometimes uh, films created by comedians can just be so heavy-handed with constantly throwing in the jokes and being so over the top with it that they really appreciate that this film didn't do that and was able to still feel real and authentic and um, wasn't just littered throughout the whole thing in this like comedy-stuffed um, two hours. And I, I think that's very true. There are some moments where they choose to pause and give the emotional moment that time and then kind of picks up the pace again Sarah Mm -hmm. what were your thoughts on the comedy I I agree I thought that it was hilarious and I think that's that's the beauty of having like a like a stand-up comedian involved in the writing as opposed to just like a a comedic actor um, Mm. because they're very different types of humor and so um, to have that infused throughout because like stand-up comedians the really really good ones they pay so much attention to human nature and then are able to like weave that into their bits and into their jokes and to me like that's so much of what makes Kamal so funny is just (laughs) how he reacts to people and how he reacts to things and he does things that are so human that you're like oh okay yeah like I would do that or like those things that you've wanted to do, but you're not like willing to do. So like that, that moment when he's going to stress eat and is trying to order <laughs> a burger with four slices of cheese and they so just good. won't give it to him. <laughs> and like that frustration in the drive-thru and like yeah. he throws the trash can, but then he apologizes. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Up the trash can. Like it's so, so brilliant, that whole scene. And it's, after this like heavy emotional moment mm. so you need this lift and it was just so well done you're so right though it very much takes a common human reaction that we all have going through the drive through where like they can't understand your order or they get it wrong um and kind of exaggerates it a little bit to make it funny but not too much that it's just like okay we get it right yeah. it's that right balance mm-hmm Another thing that I I loved about this film um, was that they used the comedy stage, the stand-up comedy stage, as this, like, anchor throughout. Like, we constantly kind of revisit that stage, and it's a place for him to reflect a little bit or kind of reveal his inner thoughts to us as the viewers without it being, like, a full-on voiceover or anything like that, right? And I, I loved that they continue to revisit that place and that we get to every, you know, 20 minutes or so come back to this, this place with him and his friends. And, um, you see his journey throughout his whole relationship with Emily kind of through the stage as a running theme. And I thought that was a really smart move. Yeah, that's true. I think it was also kind of just symbolic of another way that Kumail was, um, not, not rebelling, I guess, against his family, but, you know, doing, Mm -hmm something that was outside of the norm. Like he talked about how um, in Pakistan, I think also in one of his um, <laughs> his skits, right, that it's either like doctor, engineer, lawyer, yeah. and then at, 
uh, he said all the other jobs and at the bottom is like comedian yeah um, he's like so totally you can't tell yeah. them you want to be a doctor because they won't believe you so you have to do something a little bit yeah. second tier <laughs> yeah so you tell them you're gonna be a lawyer yeah totally and it's um it really like you said it also kind of helped string um the relationship between him and emily because i think had she not seen him kind of completely flop on that one moment where he had like an emotional moment on stage. Mm -hmm. She also may have not like flipped the switch in her head to, you know, that there may be something worth salvaging in their relationship. Yeah. And when he's on stage during that emotional moment, because we've seen him so lighthearted throughout the rest of those, those scenes prior that when he's on that stage and he's just genuinely no longer able to, to be that, version of himself because he is so burdened by it it that contrast helps that hit home for us as a viewer to be to really understand what he's going through without having to give us all these big dramatic moments that often happen in rom-coms when one of the cup one of the pair and the couple um is in the hospital and they kind of milk it a little bit with with some of those dramatic scenes and so it's able to to convey that in a way that's a little bit lighter yeah, definitely. They did that one scene where he went to her like welcome home party and he brought all these his devotion gifts. Yes. That kind of reminded me a little bit of a rom-com, but it was done so like, I don't know, it was done so well, in my opinion. <laughs> like it wasn't too yeah. cheesy, you know what I mean? And then I, I love also that she still like wasn't ready. Yes. Right? Yeah, it wasn't this like big gesture like I'm gonna sky write it in the sky or I'm gonna (laughs) deliver you like 12 million roses like it was (laughs) these like practical little things throughout the course of the journey which you know in my opinion is a lot more powerful than the -the over-the-top gift Mm. um and yeah I it brought me so much joy that she was like nope can't do it sorry I was Mm -hmm. like yes something different and usually in a rom-com, she would have taken him back. They would have been reunited. It would have been this great moment of them finally getting to be together again. And we don't get that. We still have to wait as the viewers. Yeah, I have to say those are my favorite types of rom-coms almost in a way where I believe that they're not going to end up being together. <laughs> and then the movie totally tricks me. <laughs> Me too. It's one of the reasons I love La La Land because they have to sacrifice something and they've chosen to pursue their career. So you sometimes can't have everything. Mm. So I'm curious what you guys thought about the, the fact that they chose to have her be in a coma for most of the second half of the film. Did you expect that? Did you see that coming? Did you think it worked that they, she was actually not in the picture for a lot of this? What were your thoughts on that? I think that it worked really well. I, I love that they, they were willing to do that and break the rules of a normal rom-com um, because it made it so much more than just that. It, it was less about her and him and it was about you know, bringing these two different cultures together and him seeing this different side of, of Emily and getting to know her family, which she had been, which he had been so leery about, um, and getting to know them really, really well. And then you could get into, 
you know, those characters and those dynamics and, and the issues with, with her family. Um, I think, I think it was a really, really brilliant move to go that route instead of having it just be about the two of them. Yeah, I think it allowed for a lot of character development with um, with the parents, like you mentioned earlier, Jen. Um, when Kumela like had to, um, he he was like at Emily's apartment, and he really got to talk to um, Emily's mom, and they kind of they they spoke about each other's cultures. Because if you remember at the beginning, she was totally cold shoulder to him. She knew about, you know, quote unquote, everything that he had done to Emily. Uh, she thought that he was a liar. And he honestly was kind of a liar, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Or um, he was withholding information from time to time. Mm-hmm. So then by the end, uh, when he was, you know, even apologizing to, to Emily and asking him uh, or asking her to take him back, he said something along the lines of how, like, he learned um, about honesty and so those were just like, I, I don't know if he would have been able to learn some of those lessons that he would have with just Emily, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was very vital that the parents were there. And then he also learned that, you know, just relationships in general aren't perfect because he learned about his, um, her, her dad cheating on the mom. Mm, um, yes. And that was like, that was kind of a big surprise I remember when I first watched the movie. Um, when I watched it the second time around, I, I kind of remember that he had said that, but first time around I was like, oh, wow. What, like, that's, that's what was causing all attention. Like, I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not see that coming at all either. When he said that, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and again, it breaks the, the whole typical rom-com arc that we're used to going on, um, in like a two hour film. And it was cool that we couldn't, we didn't see it coming. And I think Kumail's reaction of what the heck as they are trying to fall asleep um, yeah. in his room was very much our reaction as well. Like, where did this come from? And it really came out of left field. Mm-hmm. Sarah, what were your thoughts on that? I think it was so great that they, that they cast Ray Romano in that role. Cause like he's, <laughs> probably mostly known for everybody that loves, loves Raymond. And, you know, that's such like a, a good wholesome family show about a family and like all of this stuff. And he was like, a, he was a dorky dad, but still he was the dad and loved his family and all of this. So like, you're expecting like, oh, it's Ray Romano. So he's like this wholesome family guy. Like, nope, <laughs> he made mistakes too. So I think even down to the casting choices, like, that helped uh, mm-hmm. make that reveal even more shocking. Yeah, it also helped us as the viewers want to root for him and um, Holly Hunter's character as well. Uh, yeah. You just, you know that they've been through trials together. And so when they're bickering, you kind of can understand it, but you are also still rooting for them to to reconcile. And there's that little moment, I think a little bit later on in the film, the second half where she, they're both in their separate beds and then she comes over and crawls into bed for him. And it was such a sweet moment to see that. And they didn't really linger on it and they didn't need to. It They just included that little bit in there to show the progress. But I think Abby, you brought this point up earlier of like, this film is very much about how relationships aren't perfect. And 
it was really cool to see how even the two parents um, also had to face trials and had to intentionally continue to choose each other time and time again. Yeah. So what else um, in this film really stuck out to you? I think for me, I a big thing was kind of like the whole concept about the the American dream and how that, I mean, it sounds like it's kind of cliche, but it, it differs for everyone. Um, everyone comes here kind of with the same mentality or a lot of people, I should say, come here with the same mentality that, you know, there's opportunity, they're going to be successful, they're going to raise their kids here and have more opportunity. And then especially coming from like an immigrant family and knowing a lot of other, um, you know, friends who go through the same thing. It's so crazy that the expectations become different on you just because it's like you have to have one foot where you're from and then one foot in with um you know the new westernized american culture and uh, trying to find that balance is i think sometimes impossible in certain situations and i think kumel definitely felt that when it came to his career when it came to um just choosing who he wanted to love he was so adamant about not pursuing any of these women and there were even some some of the women in there who seemed you know decent kind of interesting um (laughs) good head on their shoulders but he it just the very principle of it I think is what bothered him and what confused him that kind of stuck out to me I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that yeah that stuck out to me a lot as well one of the scenes that is a I think a big climactic moment in this film that really was memorable for me was when um, his parents come over to his place and the mom and the dad are like listing all of these things that they've sacrificed for him. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. like, "We have sacrificed everything for you." Blah blah blah. Like I've definitely classic guilt trip. <laughs> I've definitely experienced that, and then. He responds, he's like, why did you bring me here if you didn't want me to have an American life? And I was like, oh, God, that's a gut punch. And then the dad says, I jotted down all these quotes because they were just so good. Um, The dad said, you're being selfish. You think the American dream is just doing what you want. And I think that, that conversation is so difficult because you can see and understand both sides from the parents' perspective, like they they really did do a lot to provide opportunities for their children. And from their perspective and just given their experience, it's hard to understand um, why he would choose to, to be a comedian and that seems unstable. And this desire for security and for um, the ability for their children to provide for themselves and to have a prestigious job is like it's an inherently good desire. And then from his perspective, like he's kind of caught between two worlds and he doesn't necessarily resonate with a lot of the traditions and values like arranged marriage that his family values. And like, that's such, it's such a hard conversation. And I just felt so much of the tension in that scene. And it felt very, very real and personal too. Sarah, what were your yeah. thoughts on that scene? I I loved it. I love that they were willing to go there. And, like, again, like, it was a, a window into something that I will never face. Like, as a white person, it's like, no. Like, for me, like, the American dream, honestly, is selfish. Like, I can go out and I can do 
what I want because I want to. And so to to have this window into this other side of it and this other perspective was really, really valuable. And I, it, it makes me empathize with, with others who are maybe more caught in that between the rock and the hard place where they want to do this thing, but they, they feel this familial obligation to do this other thing. Um, yeah, it really helped me empathize with other cultures when I don't experience that every day. How'd you feel about um, Emily's reaction when she found out about all the Pakistani women? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was an overreaction. Okay. Like, I, I, and I knew, like, that needed to happen to move the plot forward, so I get mm-hmm. it. But, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, hear him out. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm also <laughs> not as close to my parents as she was to hers like I wouldn't tell my parents everything about a relationship so early on um so I think I was putting maybe my filter on the situations instead of hers but yeah I was like lady just hear him out it's fine he chose you (laughs) right also the fact that she just dropped the whole divorce thing too like I don't yeah I'm just gonna drop this bomb and then walk away like yeah and then when you drop a bomb on me like it's the biggest deal in the world yeah when she said the line like do you imagine a future where we're together Mm. I was like Mm -hmm. I mean I I can see why it's a little bit of an overreaction like maybe we can sit down and talk about it and see like how we could navigate this together instead of being like it's never gonna work but to a certain extent, like she, her assumption is probably that he isn't going to want to reject his family's values. And she says later on, too, when he does the whole like um, bag of devotions, right? She says like she doesn't want to be the reason that his family no longer accepts him. And I feel like that is that's a pretty valid thought and perspective to have of not wanting to be the thing that's drawing this person that you love away from their, their family and this other part of them that they also love as well and having to carry that weight. Yeah. I, I, I understood that part of it for sure. Like I, I can't imagine the pressure that that would put on you. Like it would be unspoken pressure basically. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that I would want to bear that either that would be really really rough yeah I was actually a little bit confused by that because I'm not sure if throughout the story like between that and when she first found out if they had really talked about that or that's the reason why he was maybe I missed it but in the (laughs) beginning when she first found out I thought she was overreacting more because she felt lied to and Uh. then by the end she kind of like was saying that she didn't want to be the reason you know what I mean Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Unless I did miss it during their argument. So in that first scene, she was more just her gut visceral response was to be like, this isn't going to work. Like, I'm done. Right. We aren't going to be together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think think that reading of it is right. Like, it was, you know, her initial reaction of like, I'm hurt and I'm pissed, so we're done. And then Mm -hmm. the more that she thought about it and saw him again and you know, like that makes me think that she actually considered 
like taking him back and like weighed the cost of it. Mm-hmm. And at the end was like, no, I'm not, I can't handle that responsibility. I can't handle that weight. Yeah. Yeah. But I think also in that first scene, my sense was that she also felt like he hadn't, he hadn't reconciled it for himself either because he hadn't told his family. And so it was mm-hmm. like he hadn't created a way where it would be possible for them to be together because his, he's still going along with his family's values and kind of doing what his mother is wanting with the whole arranged marriage situation. And so from her perspective, like all she can see is that like there's no way that I can fit into this picture and you haven't also done anything to help reconcile that or begin begin to have that conversation. And so it's like, oh, well, to her, it seems like he made his choice and that it was just a, th- a thing for the present moment and that he wasn't thinking ahead. I don't know. That was also the sense that I got is like, you didn't create a space where we could potentially even be possible because you haven't even had the conversation yet. That's true, yeah. And he didn't really communicate because I think he was willing to, especially with that um, scene with his brother where he brought mm-hmm. it up to him in confidence and it was kind of like, you don't think, you know, our parents will actually disown me, right? Like he was, <laughs> I don't know, maybe he was in denial and trying to convince himself that everything was going to be just fine moving the way that they were. And then until his brother kind of slapped him with reality and was like, no, you need to break up with her like now. Mm. I think that's kind of what caused him to um, just keep it under wraps with her, especially. It made him as a character so much more relatable, too, because we've definitely been in situations where we kind of see a impending confrontation where you're going to have to face this thing that isn't isn't in conjunction with the, these other things in your life, but you don't really want to blow everything up yet. So you just you just kind of let it be. And obviously that ends up hurting her, but you can also really understand why he wasn't this like saintly figure that was able to just have these conversations from the beginning because he's also trying to figure out how to navigate it. And it, it, was, it was just a very human moment to just try and keep the peace for now and deal with deal with all the complicated stuff and heavy stuff when when it comes to a head which it does mm-hmm. yeah 100% I also wanted to mention that I really love after that really big argument with his parents that happens um the whole like you think the american dream is just doing what you want conversation mm-hmm. his roommate comes in and he's like my mom kicked me out when i was 16 for doing weed so i get it man and it was just the perfect example of how they use this tiny little um, humorous moment at the end to like lighten up so that we can move on to the next scene. But I did, Sarah, as you were talking earlier, I was thinking about how um, we had that conversation when we were reviewing The Farewell. And you had mentioned that while you may not have dealt with a similar situation of like figuring out how to reconcile like leaving home and whatnot, but you still can resonate with the feelings of responsibility of needing to be home and having moved away and thinking about what could have been if you were home. And so while this whole scene was playing out, I was also thinking about like that feeling of being trapped by some value that your family values that you no longer share 
is also really universal. So it'll be, it's really cool to see how maybe that scene doesn't directly resonate with a lot of people, but like the similar feeling of we don't see eye to eye on this because we are in different generations and different times is, is kind of universal. And that's, that's a really cool thing. That's a good point. Cause I always wonder like what kind of problems or um, conflicts where like our generation is going to have with our future kids <laughs> I feel like a lot of them have been because of culture at least in my experience um, and and just I think almost the sense of like holding on to that I, I don't think a lot of um, or me personally like I I just know that living in this country it's going to be hard to hold on to what my parents grew up with, you know, and then instilling that in my future kids. Mm. So I'm curious what things we might butt heads um, with in the future. That's an interesting thought. I mean, we've, I've, you know, I've had conversations around like even recipes that our parents and our moms, my mom, um, yeah. knows how to make. Like we don't know how to make those. Like we're going to have to learn it fast so that we can still provide that, type of experience for our kids like making buns like I don't know how to do that but it was such a big part of my childhood that I'd want to pass on and the language Mm, so many things yeah yeah well and especially as we have like more and more interracial couples happening and you know it's not just you know black and white but I mean all kinds of races mixed together then we have these interminglings of culture which is really really cool but I would imagine that that is the struggle of like okay what things do we want to pass down and through that lens it makes sense why Kumail's parents are like no you need to marry a Pakistani woman so that our culture remains intact we don't want to lose any of this right Um, but here in America got all kinds of cultures happening so it is the (laughs) melting pot so it's choosing what things are most important. What do you want to pass down um, without being rigid? Right. And I think kind of in the parents' mind, the reason why they were so adamant about him marrying a Pakistani woman, right, is because if he didn't, then that would kind of be gone. It wasn't so much that, like, doing that was an actual, I guess, mm-hmm. I, I feel like yeah. that the action of it wasn't actually what was, you know, bad. Um, in her mindset, it was just like we would lose so much. Um, and they were saying that, too, at the family dinner. They were talking about one of their either friends or other family members who had married a white person and had a child. And they were like, no one's going to go visit that child. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's totally crazy. I, I don't know why, what leads them to believe that. Or maybe it's because they feel like they can't relate um, if they were to visit them. But it's just like they don't want any part of that. Mm. Yeah, and I wonder if there's like this this sense of pride and pride in a good way of wanting to continue to celebrate the things that they took um, from their home mm-hmm. country and brought here. Like, I think about, for example, my family, and um, a lot of my parents' friends are also Asian American immigrants, and a lot of what bonds them together is the fact that they 
they do share their roots together and um, they share a lot of the common struggles in the workplace of not understanding certain American jokes or references or idioms. Like they're able to share in that and um, it's almost like more special for them to hold on to and to keep and to protect because it is so rare and it's they're in a place that is foreign and is so different from where they grew up. So they want to keep the sense of um, culture and familiarity from their roots and pass it down. Like I, I wonder if it's almost even potentially heightened because they are in a different place from their roots. Mm-hmm. That's true. I think when, when a lot of immigrants think of opportunity, they're thinking like strictly just career, something mm-hmm. of that nature, and then everything else must remain the same, you know, or mm-hmm. within their comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit, I'm kind of curious what you guys um, thought about Emily actually, like while she was in the coma, did you feel invested like in her character? Did you feel convinced that maybe she wouldn't make it? Um, I was also thinking about the the whole debate they had about moving her to Northwestern or not. Mm. What do you guys think about that scene? Yeah, I... I was invested in her character mostly because Kumail really cared about her. Like I cared about her because he cared about her and I wanted him to be able to So you cared about Kumail more? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean we we get like a little bit of her and I think they're yeah. she's she's plenty charming. Uh but it's <laughs> it's a short time to get to know a character and I think we didn't we also didn't see like a a a moment that really helped us connect with her or feel for her maybe that's just my own personal experience but she seemed almost like a she played the part that she needed to play and then Mm -hmm. it was more about his story and his reconciliation for a lot of it and again I mentioned this at the beginning I think the whole like you could argue that a big part of the love story is actually between him and her parents and them really beginning to understand each other and form that bond because I think that arc is um, really prevalent throughout but yeah, I didn't necessarily resonate with her a lot. She was kind of like a vehicle to me for him. Yeah, she she was there to push the plot forward, but um, <laughs> Poor girl. I found her <laughs> I found her really really endearing. Like yeah. one of my favorite scenes is when she is getting up and getting dressed at 3 a.m. so that she can oh, yes. go poop <sighs> at the diner, and that whole scene makes me laugh out loud every time. So like from that moment I was like okay girl all right I can I'm with you you're good um (laughs) just to have a scene like that and a female person saying all of those lines in that way like it was just it was great um but yeah I thought I thought that the whole debate of moving her and like going back and forth like it was such a good way to build tension and to raise the stakes and um really really show um the unhealthy dynamic between holly hunter and ray romano's characters Mm -hmm. um so i think that that was a really important plot device yeah when they were debating back and forth like whether or not to move her honestly I don't know, maybe I'm just a little bit, you know, I want some something unpredictable to happen. So <laughs> I didn't feel like I was almost indifferent in a way. I was like, okay, maybe they could just leave her and then we'll see what happens, you know, <laughs> if she uh, if she makes it or not. And 
Um, I would be really curious to see what the movie writers could do with an ending <laughs> like that. Um, so that's that's kind of you know a little inside my head when I'm watching um, rom coms, <laughs> especially. But what yeah, will the I writers do next? Is uh, yeah, the primary exactly. question. Not will they end up together, but what could possibly be next in the plot? <laughs> yeah, what I love can they it. Do to make this like you know different and unique and stand out. <laughs> um, so yeah, when they were when they were debating, I was kind of just like you know let's let's see what happens. Um, and then and then she got worse, and she wasn't able to actually um, move. And then that's the point also where I thought like okay maybe they are gonna let her die. Um, but in general, her as a character, I, I you know totally agree with you guys. I think they moved um, they moved really quickly in probably the first third of the of the movie, like them you know kind of building the relationship, uh, be- slowly becoming friends. Um, they kind of emphasize a lot like. Kumail trying to keep a distance with her with the two-day rule thing and then she's also saying that she's not dating she shouldn't be dating mm-hmm. um so they they gave us a little bit of that like oh are they gonna be together kind of obvious yes they are gonna be together um and they gave us a little bit of time I think to to like her but like you said Jen I don't I'm not sure that it was totally enough I think we really were um just invested in her because we were leaning on Kumail more so mm-hmm. yeah the whole way that they met and started getting to know each other also just felt very modern and relevant to our times where I hear that a lot with, with friends and friends of friends of just like, yeah, we're hanging out, but like, I can't date right now. Like I'm just not at a place and we'll just, it'll just be fun for a while and then we'll move on. And then you inevitably often get like sucked into it and then they end up starting to date. So I thought that you could tell that this plot and that unfolding was very much created by someone who's very with it and with the times. Yeah. What'd you guys think of Kumail's uh, movie taste? (laughs) Those like black and white films he was showing her. Yeah. What was it again? Sarah, do you remember? One of them wasn't the first one was the night of the living dead. And I don't were, remember yeah. what the yeah. second one was. Yes. There are horror films, right? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Interesting choice. Yeah, which is so funny. <laughs> to bring a girl home to. For, yeah, for your, you know, first or third date or whatever. I'm going to show you this black and white horror film that nobody's ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that was the part where I related to her the most because she started yawning and being like, I don't know why we're even watching this. Like, what's the point? Yeah, and then like two shots later, they're just making out, and the the movie's still going on <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah, yeah. If it was on Netflix, it would be like, "Are you still watching?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. So, what did you guys think about the ending scene, and how just in in general how the film ended? I liked that the, it wasn't this like happy ending like they they get together and then everything's fine all the problems are solved the families are happy they're happy tra la 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 like it was very much like it was bittersweet you know he still has issues with his family but he is moving on and you know pursuing his dream and you know she is still pursuing hers and we're left with that little bit of hope that okay yeah maybe they get together but I like that 
he didn't stop his plans to stay in Chicago to potentially maybe be with her one day. Yeah, and I think it wouldn't be um, so much a romantic quote-unquote film of the rom-com genre if they didn't include a little bit of cheese in there. So I I liked how they incorporated (laughs) that joke that they first started with. And they kind of close it together. I wonder if it actually happened in real life because um, this was based on a true story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Kumail's and his wife actually yeah. met in the same scenario, and yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, and the the health thing happened after they were already married, um, but yeah, oh, it's it's okay. very much based on their story. Okay. And they wrote it together, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, so I think they, it was, it was kind of nice that they closed that full circle and it kind of, you know, makes sense why the whole, the movie title is also based off of that. Um, it focuses, I think, more on the whole relationship aspect than seemingly it would be on the whole family dynamic piece of it. So I think it was right that they also didn't, uh, leave closure on, um, his relationship with his parents. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been a little bit too feel good if they came back and were like, oh, we'll welcome you back and we can turn around. And Because I think the reality of it really is that there's some people who are stuck in their ways and they just don't change. Um, so I, I kind of like where they, they left it at. Yeah, agreed. I love that it was unresolved. It's so good. It's way more realistic. We don't need mm-hmm. everything tied up in nice little neat bows at the end. Um I appreciated that they brought that back, that little joke between them. And it it's really it was really, really sweet, um, the way everything tied up in the end. And it was a moment that they were sharing that nobody else in the audience could really understand. But they both had this, like, look in their eye of, like, yeah, we get it. And this is our little inside joke. Um, so I, I also appreciate that the ending didn't resolve all of the loose ends. So... Any last thoughts on the big sick? Things that we haven't covered yet that you wanted to touch on? I think for me, like one of the things, in addition to all of the things that we've already talked about, um, that I appreciate most about this film is the fact that we have a Pakistani man as the main character. And it's a, it's a romantic movie. Like, mm. how cool is that, that we live in a time where a Muslim, even a, a lapsed Muslim, can be the the main protagonist and be seen as this, like, desirable man in a rom-com, mm-hmm. um, where enough. just a few years ago, we probably wouldn't have gotten a film like this. Yeah, definitely agreed. And even, the, even that moment, um, which kind of also stands out to me, of uh, the ISIS comment in the comedy show and um, her mom reacting. Like I appreciate that scene uh, that it was included, but also that it didn't seem really pandering to the audience and didn't feel really over the top, which they, I mean, sometimes can easily happen. Like, Hey, let's, let's infuse this like really modern relevant topic. um, And here's the, the big flashing red lights so that you know that we are being relevant. Like I, it was, it was a funny moment. It was a sweet moment for the mom to stand up for him, but they kind of have it and they move on. And I really loved that they didn't like overly riff on that. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you, Sarah. I think the representation is um, just really important, especially in in the time that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah, we don't ever really. I I can't really think of any other movies who you know the main character protagonist has been a Pakistani uh, male, so that is you know a, a plus one for this or another star for this movie, and I think it it challenges also people's perceptions that they may have of um, you know cultures that they don't understand or just things that they hear through media whatever it may be I think it really just shows you that there could be people who look different than you come from different places but they're just going through the same exact struggles right they're just trying to like earn a dime in this (laughs) world that we live in um, chase their dreams and chase people that they love Um, so I think that's another you know, just another aspect of the character itself that makes him so relatable and so likable. Yeah. And then the fact that there's an interracial couple between a Pakistani mm-hmm. man and a white woman, too, is also really, really awesome. I'm trying to think of other films that have had that, and I can't really think of one quickly off the top of my head, which means that the amount of data points we have for it are probably much yeah. less. Yeah. Yeah, there was, I mean, there's... In Lost, there was that, you know, subplot between Saeed and whatever the white chick's name was. And then <laughs> it was a also a sub, subplot in the in the English patient that Naveen Andrews' character was with a... English I think she was French. But, I mean, it's so few and far between that we see things like this. So, mm-hmm. good job, the big sick. Yes. <laughs> yes, we were living in a great time where so many of these stories that we don't commonly see are popping up and studios like Amazon studios are funding them. They paid, I think it was like $12 million for the distribution deal for this after it aired at Sundance. And it was like one of their big hits too. So this is also a great win for them from a commercial perspective because it was one of the first films that really gained like widespread popularity and made them as a studio be recognized. So we love that Amazon Studios is funding all of the, the indie flicks that don't get picked up by other studios. Yay, we want more. Plug, more plug, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't work for Amazon Studios. I'm not, <laughs> hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> yeah. But go get your Amazon Prime membership and watch The Big Sick. <laughs> yes, yes. Two wins. You get a great movie and uh, and you get two day, or free two-day shipping. Yep. <laughs> Well, this was really fun. Abby, thank you for being on the podcast and joining us. It was just awesome to unpack this film together with you. I'm sure you'll be back for future episodes, but it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had a ton of fun doing it. Thanks for having me. Of course. Awesome. So we will be back next week with another episode of the Strategic, Strategic Whimsy Experiment. We hope you guys have an awesome week. Remember to infuse a little bit of whimsy in your life. Do something just because you love it without having to think about what all of the long-term goals or results of it are. This is our little strategic whimsy experiment, and we will see you guys soon.